Good morning. Yeah. Walked outside, a little crisp air kind of gets you, gets you going, right? Or is that just me? Yeah. I kind of like the crispness of the, of the air in the fall. Yeah, I like fall. Did you say Christmas? No, crispness. Crisp. Well, I guess I need to pronounce it better, right? Crispness in the air. Yeah. I like Christmas too, but not right now. Yeah. No Christmas music, October music right now, Thanksgiving music next month, and then Christmas in its season. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's how that goes. Anyway, yeah. So, so great, great. It's going to be, I guess, great weather if you like fall this week. Some of you maybe prefer last week, but it's kind of that moment where you're like, I'm ready for a chicken stew. Right? And I'm, I'm thinking maybe we could have one of those on the 21st. I'm not sure, but maybe, maybe we can do that. Y'all come out, and uh, we'll have a good time there. All right. Well, we are doing a series uh, called Questions, and it's questions that God has asked people in Scripture. And so we, we try to cover about four of these, each one. And uh, this is actually the last one in the series. But I wanted to start with some misprints on signs, Okay just some misprints and signs. And you may have seen some of these. Some of these are old, like I've had these a while and some are new, but here we go. Here's the first one. Eat Ray Love. Rachel Ray finds inspiration in cooking her family and her dog. (laughs) Just a little misprint there. Yeah. Yeah, 10 tips, evidently. Here's the next one. Please pay your parking fee before existing. (laughs) Before existing. Yeah. I did, because I can't spell real well. I did have to read that a couple of times. Like, I was, hey, that's not really how you spell exiting, right? No. Okay. Right, right, Greg? That's what I would have to do. Because what do I do on the little gas thing? It's it's not mileage. I do, it's what? Millage. I, I spell it millage, so I can be up here too. Here's one of my favorites, and I just found this one. It's this puking scented <laughs> candle. <laughs> just in case you needed some throw up in your life, there it is right there. Puked scented camera. And then <clears throat> I didn't realize until this week that in our states, in our uh, national capital, there's some misspelled words that bring people confusion. And uh, it's this fire. Push and pull down. Yeah. Okay, so there, there's a story. There was a congressman that pulled this right before a vote in the, in the thing. And he's saying that he thought it was the lever to open the door because he wanted to get out is what, what the excuse is. He was trying to stop a vote. It, well, that's, that's too much of a judgment on my part. <laughs> too much of a judgment. I'm sorry, strike that from the record, but it's just kind of strange that he couldn't read. Well, anyway, okay. Not going to get into that. It was just funny to me. I've laughed about this all week long. This little congressman pulling that down, fire alarm, thought that it would open the doors. Okay, okay. So there you go. So I would like you to turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. 
Genesis chapter 4. That's where we're going to start reading. Genesis chapter 4. And we'll begin reading with verse 1. And this is what it says. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. I think right up front, you need to understand that Cain entered into the world with his mother thinking that he was very special. I know that every mother in here thinks that their children are special, but Eve took it to another level because she thought this was a fulfillment of what God had told her would happen. She would have a son that would crush the serpent's head, that would take care of the evil in the world. So she thought that he was really a special child and treated him that way. You know that she did. And then verse 2, it says, and again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. So one was sheep, one did um, fruits and veggies. Verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. Now, at first read, it's kind of hard to figure out who he's angry at, but he's really angry at his brother. And I'm not sure what happened in the, in the um, natural flow of things for him and his brother to be, have this rivalry, but for some reason, Cain did not like Abel, and this wasn't the first time that Cain was angry at Abel, Abel, at Abel. It wasn't the first time. And you might say, well, why can you say that? Well, I'll tell you, that's, that's an opinion that I have. Just from experience with people. People generally don't snap in anger unless there's a buildup to it. Like they've been angry for a while or they're trying to outdo somebody. And so here's Abel over here and he brings his sacrifice and Cain brings his sacrifice and Cain's thinking in his mind, God is going to accept my sacrifice because it's the best produce that I have made in my field. I mean, it's the best that I can give. And of course, he's going to really like mine and he's going to like mine better than Abel's is what Cain is thinking. But when the sacrifices happened, it was very evident that Abel's sacrifice was the one that God approved of and Cain's wasn't and he had trouble dealing with it because that was Cain's moment to say that he was the best guy, he was the best son in the entire world. Are you tracking? None of y'all have family members like this, right? Where one of your siblings is just trying to be the best kid ever and they're always trying to trump you. Y'all, y'all never have that situation, I'm sure. Some of you might not, but nonetheless, some do. And so here's Cain trying to trump. And when God approved Abel's offering, it just ran all over Cain because he did not get, you know, the praise that he deserved. And so he got very angry at Cain. And so God asked him, why are you angry? And I think that's a question that we need to ask ourselves today. Why are you angry? Well, Philip, I'm not angry. Okay, well, let's just talk about anger just a few minutes, okay? Okay. 
couple of things about anger. Everybody in this room has been angry sometime in their life. Everybody in this room has. We've got upset. It might've been over something that was legitimate. It might've been over something that was stupid, but all of us have experienced anger inside of us. We are human. We have experienced anger. We have gotten upset. We've gotten upset. And we get angry for several reasons. One reason we get angry is because we're threatened. If you've ever been threatened, sometimes you get angry and it doesn't matter what the threat is, you get angry because it's a defense mechanism. In fact, all anger is a defense mechanism. It isn't, it isn't um, uh, what do you call the other word? It's defense or offense. It's not offensive. Yeah, so your anger isn't offensive. It is always defensive about something, okay? Um, some people get angry because they've been hurt. You have probably been angry at some point in your life because you got hurt. Someone hurt you that you didn't think would ever hurt you and they hurt you and you're angry at them for them doing some damage to your life. So we get angry because of hurt in our lives. Um, sometimes angry is provoked. You ever have that person in your life that keeps poking you? They know that they're poking you and you know that they know that they are poking you, but they keep poking you anyway and they're just kind of poking, 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 poking to get you a reaction from you. And lo and behold, if they poke too long, you're gonna get angry and you're gonna blast out. And you're sitting here thinking, some of you might be thinking, I'm married to that person. <laughs> or that person lives in my house, right? I, I've experienced, or that person is this person. But yeah, you poke, poke, poke. And sometimes we get angry because we're poked. We just get poked so much and we just get tired of it. And we have had enough. It is gonna be over. So we get angry because of that sometimes. Anger is sometimes uh, the result of some type of unresolved issue in our life. Like in our past, something that happened way back here that we didn't process correctly, we did not heal from, and lo and behold, here, 10, 20 years later, we're getting angry at people for something that happened way back then, and what we really need to do is figure out what that is and work it through and get healed. I'm not a proponent of reliving all of your life, but I am a proponent of finding that one thing that is a trigger for what's ever happening here and getting healing here so you don't experience anger on this side and hurt people. There are some times that you get angry at someone that has nothing to do with what's going on, on inside, of, in, inside your heart. Sometimes you get angry at them. Um, it, it would go something like this. You have a bad day at work. It's just a bad day at work. Things didn't go well. You got irritated at somebody that you work with, just irritated. You get home. Your spouse is right there. She or he does something wrong. And you go off on them. Or the mere fact that they exist in the room right? The mere fact that they just exist in the room, that they walked a certain way, it, like they didn't even do anything wrong. They just walked past you and you read it as something and then you got angry at them because sometimes we at them because sometimes we get angry at people that are innocent because we're angry at somebody else over here and hurt over here. Have you ever had that happen? Yeah. 
Sometimes it happens this way. You ever been in a, like a not down drag out with your spouse? Yes, you have. No, you don't want to say that, but you have. And then possibly, this might not have happened to you, a child walks in the room that has nothing to do with your conversation and you snap at the child. That child has nothing to do with why you're mad at your spouse. Nothing at all to do, but you snapped at them because that anger was redirected on someone that was innocent. And God says that that anger is wrong. When you're angry at someone that is innocent, you are wrong. I am sure that Cain had made up a story about Abel, and he was mad at his made-up story. There, there are times when people make up stuff about you that you didn't do, and they're angry at you for it. Have you ever had that happen? Like they tell you you did something, and you like, I never did that, but they're really angry about that. And then what we've been trained to do in society is apologize for offending them by not doing what they say that we had done. It's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And so sometimes people just make up stuff about you and they get angry about you, uh, at you, and they go, and you're innocent. You're innocent. Like, I never did that. So anger is really a strange bird, isn't it? And so here in this scripture, it is Cain that is mad at Abel for absolutely no reason at all. And God says, why are you angry? Verse six, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, you, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So God is saying, you've got to get this anger thing under control. If you're mad at somebody, if you're angry at somebody, it is something that you need to get under control or it will lead you down a road of destruction. You're going to continue to hurt people. And in this particular case, Cain winds up murdering his brother. Jesus says in Scripture, if you harbor anger against your brother, it is equal to murder. That's what he says. And so we need to be very careful being angry at other people, especially innocent people. So you might be sitting there saying, well, Philip, you know, I get the innocent thing, but what if they deserve it? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Because the next question that we're talking about is this one. Is it right for you to be angry? And we're not going to turn to this passage of Scripture. You can read it later in the week. But this is from Jonah. Jonah chapter 4, verse 4. Is it right for you to be angry? And what has happened with Jonah is he, in chapter 3, has gone to Nineveh and he's preached this great message. And the whole city has turned to God. Wow. I would like to think that if I went to New York City and preached the gospel on a street corner and the whole city repented of their sins, the whole city, from the mayor down, let's just go even further and say from the governor of New York all the way down, they all repented of their sins, I would post about it 
all social media, make a YouTube video about it, come here and say, guess what happened? It was absolutely incredible. If you want to see evidence, go up to New York City. The streets are clean, absolutely clean. They don't even need police officers anymore because everybody is godly. I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't you be like just absolutely proclaiming that and just be praising the Lord for it? Yes, you would. So it's the same thing for, for Jonah. Jonah went to this huge city, a large city in his day, preached, and everybody turned to the Lord. And he was not happy about it. He got up on a mountain, and he sat, and he looked at the city, and he said, they deserve God's judgment, and I know that God won't give it to them because God is a merciful God. And so he's not gonna cause this judgment, but I am so angry. And he was actually angry at God for not judging the people that he didn't like. And there are some times, ladies and gentlemen, that Christians continue to be angry at someone or upset at someone that has made a major change in their life. They have asked forgiveness for that sin and they're living a different life, and, but they continue to hold that anger against them instead of just saying, I forgive them, God has forgiven them, and this is a good day. It's a good moment when people turn to God. It's a good moment. Now, I know, I know what we say. You know, the person, the person has done something just nasty wrong, right? And, and now, you know, they ask for forgiveness and Get Jesus, you know. I, I've done prison ministry. Everybody gets saved. I'm not saying, but you go to prison, everybody gets saved in prison. And you have, and at some level, you're like, did they really repent? Did they really, did they really say they're sorry? Are they really making a change? And that is not for us to judge. We forgive. It's not that consequences don't need to happen over here. That's not what I'm saying, because consequences for certain actions have to be played out in life. They have to be. But we do forgive and we rejoice in the fact that, hey, these people have turned to God. So are you angry at somebody that really you should forgive? Are you holding a grudge against somebody that you really need to let go of today and you really need to say, I forgive that person so that you can have some freedom in your own soul? So sometimes, yeah, there are people that do horrible stuff against us, but those same people can still be saved by the grace of God. They can still turn around. And so maybe it's a moment where you ask um, God to help you forgive those people. So is it right for you to be angry? And the answer to that question every single time is no. Is no. It is not right for you to be angry at someone. It never is. Now, this is where the sermon takes an abrupt turn, okay? So <clears throat> to do kind of an abrupt turn, he laughs because he was in the first one. To help with this abrupt turn, I'm going to sing a song, okay? Now, I usually do this on my front porch where nobody's listening. And I am the best guitar player in the world on my front porch at my house. 
It is amazing what I can accomplish on my front porch with this little thing. It's absolutely amazing. You get in front of people, different story. And that's a little bit of a joke. It's really the same, probably. But here we go. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of His Spirit. Lost in his love. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I in my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting. Looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. Sing with me. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. And aren't you glad he's your savior? It is, um, it is something that really, not only that we should be thankful for, but something that really should guide everything that we do. Everything that we do. We have been saved. We've been saved. And it's, it's, um, it's crazy. It's crazy how good that is. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. <clears throat> Mark chapter 8. Now, on another sign that I saw uh, recently is this one. It's um, this one right here. Please keep off the water. Obviously, they thought Jesus was coming. <laughs> Obviously, they did that. <laughs> but Mark chapter 8. And in verse 27, it, it says these words. 
And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about them. So the next question is, who do you say I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? This question is a life-shaping question. However you answer it shapes your life, it shapes your future, it shapes where you are going. It shapes what you do. It shapes how you react to things that are done to you. It shapes every single aspect of your life. This question, who is Jesus? Or who do you say that I am? Who is Jesus? In this text, there's three answers. It's uh, John the Baptist. It's one of the answers. And for the people that thought that Jesus was John the Baptist, they missed it. They missed something great. They missed something magnificent. They missed something absolutely amazing. They missed it because they thought that he was John the Baptist. Some people in this passage said that he was Elijah. And those people that said that he was Elijah missed, they missed it. They missed who Jesus really was. And then other people in this passage says prophets. And when they answered those questions that way, John the Baptist, Elijah, and the prophets, it shaped their future and how they would act in the world. It shaped them differently. Today, we have kind of the same thing going on. Some people say that Jesus was a good teacher. Not the son of God, not God, but a good teacher. Other people say think that Jesus is a swear word, right? Some people think that Jesus is a swear word. No respect for him at all, nothing, just use his name in vain all the time. Some people think that Jesus is a character of historical fiction. Like this whole Bible is historical fiction. It doesn't matter how many times we can prove it with archaeology and we can prove that this stuff happened. People still think, some people think that it's historical fiction and, and that he's a fictitious character. Some people answer that question that way. Some people say that Jesus was a good man. He lived, he was a good man. There's some like stories told about him that is out here that are made up, but nonetheless, Jesus did live and he was a good man. And if you answer the question that way, it shapes your life for the future. It does. Some people say that Jesus was just a myth. I don't know how they can say that and believe that, but they just think that Jesus was a myth. And Peter answers the question correctly. Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And because he answered the question that way, his life wasn't shaped for the future. It was changed. It was changed. And there's a major difference between the two. Once you realize that Jesus is the Christ, your life is changed. It's no longer a, a shaping. It's changed. Any other 
answer shapes you into something else that isn't godly, that isn't the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't change you at all. So Jesus answers correctly. And who do you say I am is important for us to ask every time we approach scripture. Um, recently, uh, I heard of a, a, a story about um, one of our youth in school and uh, this guy that she sits next to uh, cusses and, and does some things that she doesn't really like and knows that isn't right. And this past week in Yakima County Schools, they had um, Bring Your Bible to School Day, which is something that happens. But they had Bring Your Bible to School Day. Well, this boy that sits beside her brought a Bible to school. And the teacher had given him, maybe I shouldn't say this, you will never know who it is. The teacher gave him that Bible. And so he was sitting there with that Bible. And he went home that night. This little middle schooler went home and read from Genesis all the way to Joshua. A major section of scripture that he read in one night because he was hungry for it. And he came back to school the next day and told one of our teenagers that he was really trying to quit cussing and, and he wanted to live right. So that's why he read that. Now, um, I would prefer that he read like Mark to get acquainted with Jesus, but I'm okay if the kid's reading the whole Bible all the way through because that's a major thing. How serious are you about knowing Jesus? Are you serious enough to really read about him even though you read the story over and over and over again? Are you really hungry to know him? Do you really know who he is? Do you really know when he says, I am the Christ, do you really know what that means? And is that changing, not shaping, is it really changing your life and your perspective on things? Well, Philip, I'm just not so sure if, if, if this Bible thing is true. I'm just not so sure. I'm here to tell you it's the only option that can be true. Let me just entertain some of the lies that are out there about Jesus, how this, how this question is answered incorrectly and just give you some commentary on it. If Jesus is a good teacher, he is still changing lives today. Right? If he's just a good teacher, he's still changing. He has changed my life. And for 2000 years, he's been changing lives and he doesn't even have a YouTube channel. He doesn't have a TikTok. He has none of our modern conveniences. All he has is this archaic book right here that he speaks into the lives of people. That is better than any technology that we can come up with. And so here it is. is if Jesus is a good teacher, he's still changing lives today. So you can't, you can't win with that. Here's the next one. If Jesus is just an idea, he is the most powerful idea that has ever been introduced into the human race. He has changed my life. And if he's just an idea, it has still changed me for the better and I know where I'm going one day. So you can say he's just an idea, but it's the most powerful idea that's ever been. If the story 
of Jesus is just a fictional story. It is the most powerful fictional story that has ever been told because it has changed my life. And it's changed you for the better too. So if you, you think, well, it's just a fictional story, but oh my goodness, look at all the people that have been changed. Mickey Mouse doesn't have this. Superman doesn't have this. Iron Man doesn't have this. We read those stories. I mean, if you're, if you're like a Lord of the Rings person, that has never changed my life for the better. It's been very entertaining. I appreciate that literature, but the Bible and Jesus and the story out of here has literally changed my life and continues to change my life on a daily basis. The only, the only satisfactory answer to that question is Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. He is the Messiah. He's the same yesterday as he was today, as he is going to be tomorrow. He is the one true God. And he is who I need to model my life after. In fact, I would put it to you this way. Jesus Christ is the way I need to see the world. I need to see the world through Jesus's lenses and not my own. So I know enough about Jesus, I'll read enough about him and his interactions with people that I begin to interact with people like Jesus did, that I begin to care for people like Jesus did. And when I answer that question in a way that Jesus is Christ, the son of the living God, some way I need to follow and emulate, it changes everything that I do. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are sitting here this morning and you are angry with your brother without cause, you do not know who Jesus is. If you are angry with people for legitimate reasons, but they have turned to the Lord and received his mercy and grace, you do not really know who Jesus is because Jesus forgives. Jesus loves. Is he a God of judgment? Absolutely. In fact, if you do not believe that he's not gonna judge sin, you do not have a balanced view of Jesus. He's going to judge sin and he should have sent you to pay for your sins in the lake of fire, but he decided not to. He decided to give you a way that you would not have to take the punishment for your sins that you have done, a horrible punishment. He decided to put himself on the cross and take the punishment for your sins so that you could be saved, so that you would not have to pay for your sins. He did it for you. That's an amazing thing. And if you don't have a balanced view, you will not be thankful for the salvation that you have received. Jesus is the Messiah. If you really know Jesus, it will influence how you act when you are angry. If you really know who Jesus is, it will influence the way you act when you get angry. And this is so, so important. So important. Who is Jesus. Every time you sit down to eat, you're making a statement about Jesus. 
and what you believe. Every time you go to the grocery store, you're making a statement about who Jesus is, who you really believe Jesus is. Every time you go to work and you interact with the people there, you're making a statement of who you think Jesus is because you are his representative and you're supposed to be acting like him. You're supposed to be seeing the world through him. Every time we get upset at Washington, D.C., we're making a statement about who we think Jesus is. And is he really in control? And is Washington, D.C. really our salvation? Or is Jesus? If the culture falls apart, Jesus will not. If things go south for our country, Jesus will not go south. He is still in control when the world is in chaos. Still in control. I think about um, the attack that just happened in Israel. I think about that. Here's what I know. I don't know if it's Jesus coming back or not. You don't either. But here's what we do know. They messed with the wrong people group. In Scripture, that is God's chosen people. And he is going to protect those people because they are tied in to the future prophecy where he comes back and sets up his kingdom in Jerusalem. So you're not going to win against them. You might push them back a little bit, but you're not going to win against them. I think that we should pray for the people, especially the ones uh, that have, especially the families that have lost people in this attack. I think it's absolutely horrific. But I also think that in praying for them, we should also look forward to a day where Jesus is going to come back and make everything right. The only way our world will have peace is if Jesus returns. That's the only way. There's no negotiation. There's nothing that you can do to cause lasting peace to happen on this planet until Jesus returns. So it's, Lord, be with those people, be with that situation. Please do not let it become more hostile over there in, the, in that country. And come quickly, Jesus, come quickly, come quickly. So that leads us to our last question, and this is it. What do you want? What do you want? Or what are you looking for? Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you looking for? John chapter one, verse 38. What are you looking for? Everybody in this room came here this morning looking for something, looking for an answer that they've been asking themselves inside of their hearts for a very long period of time, and they really want relief from it. Some people have come into this room not even knowing they had a question, but now they do. But what are you looking for? If it's anything other than Jesus, you are going down the wrong road. You're going down the wrong road. If you're looking for Jesus, he is waiting for you to accept him. Now let me do something. Jesus is the answer. You ever get that? that Jesus is the answer. That's such the religious thing to say, right? right? Have you ever felt that way? I've felt that way before. Like, Jesus, Jesus, just trust Jesus, Philip. You know, you're just like, God, I don't want to hear that. 
Yeah, it's not that you don't think Jesus can't help you, but that's just not the answer you need. You need another answer, right? You need some steps or something that you can take to win the war, right? And you ever feel that way? Like, it's just like, Jesus, Jesus? oh, yeah, okay, Jesus is the answer. Or you roll your eyes. Maybe you don't have the eebie-jeebies like I do. Maybe it's just like, yeah, Jesus, yeah. It's church, it's Jesus. Every time you respond that way, you don't know who Jesus is. That's not the religious answer. It's just a fact. Jesus, when you look at the world through his eyes, it is amazing the wisdom that comes into your life. It is amazing the knowledge that comes into your life. It is amazing the strength that he gives you to handle the situation that you're in. He is the answer. It is that simple. And it's not just religious. It is actually a way of life. Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for this age you've given us. Thank you for this message. And there may be people in the room that are struggling with anger. There might be people in the room struggling with anger in ways I didn't even cover today. But they're thinking about it. Pray that in this moment that you will work in their hearts as you have already. The power of your Holy Spirit so that they can get some relief from that so that they can shake it. There's some people in this room that might need to know more about Jesus, more about your son. Father, they might even really need to get to know you better. I would say that's everybody in the room. I do ask that as we leave here today that there will be a desire in our hearts to read your word and to get to know you better so that we can view the life we are living appropriately so that we can make the right decisions for our family for the people around us for the businesses we own or work at and so we ask all these things we pray in Jesus name Amen. Let's stand and sing. I'm here for you to pray with you if you need that.